what what episode does anyone think this is 216 cleveland ohio nice hey everybody welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 216 cleveland oh, ohio that's <laughs> cleveland sorry. ohio sorry, god gosh hey everybody well, sorry hey everybody well cleveland hey, ohio hey everybody for the first time ever Django, you're actually a little hot if you want to come down a tiny bit i think we found oh. a good spot I'm it's hot, better to I? be a little too loud and then come down right we want right, to know right. that there's I'll, a ceiling i'll bring it down yeah, yeah, which is hard for I you because you how's that? party as far I as do. I know. I do. Episode 216. From Cleveland. Perfectly acceptable podcast. Acceptable podcast, Cleveland, Ohio's 16. Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> Cleveland rocks. The Bear State. Um, where every Tuesday we get a bunch of comics at our comic shop and we sort them and count them and give them to all of our subscribers, take them home, read them as quickly as we can, then bring it back to participate in a Wednesday at our comic shop. Just getting ready. Just getting ready for things to be normal again. I'm going to not, you know, divert <laughs> and talk about how delayed things are and that there's still a whole missing week of books and everything. Oh. Just talk about... We get them on Tuesday. We sort them. They all come in at the same time, and they then we're open, and we go in on a Wednesday, and we see all of the people <laughs> that have been coming in to see us on Wednesdays for the nine years I've been doing it. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. And I'm Roman. And he's been doing it for longer than us. You've been doing it longer than Django and I combined. I've oh. been doing it for 40 years. <sighs> Whoa. Do you know why Cleveland is important? Do you know why we're here in Cleveland, Ohio today? It's, wh- it's, oh. where, Howard, it's where Howard the Duck lives. And that's Superman, that's Superman was born here, but it's. I uh-huh. thought that you wanted to bring us here to find the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, they're closed for COVID. Okay, they're closed for COVID. So then you made us go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, which neither of us cared about. <laughs> and you just kept talking about how we're going to appreciate it when we're older. I really thought you would like the... <laughs> 20 minute documentary that they have where you sit in a little theater and uh, just watch a thing about baseball if it's a documentary we could probably sit jeff down and he'll probably (laughs) be really into it that's his mo you guessed it it's a comic podcast and we're going to talk about (laughs) comics uh this week what a fun freaking week of comics i i'll say it was a fun freaking week of comics i had zeros and ones zeros and ones not our scores but the numbers themselves. And on that zero and one platter, uh, we're going to talk about a handful of them. Get ready, folks, because it's going to be Buck Wild, Infinite Frontier, number zero, Berserker, number one, The Dead Dog's Bat, number one, ENIAC, number one, Demon Days X Men from Peach Momoko, number one, Noctera, number one, and Crime Syndicate, number one, and anything else anyone wants to talk about. And I think we're going to try and talk about WandaVision if we're doing pretty well for time by the end of this whole thing. That's super likely. It's super likely. We never go long. We never go long. Or we'll do the classic Papcast thing, which is record an entire conversation that then gets cut because, because <laughs> dang. That's for, the, take... uh, that, that's for the the secret menu. That's for yes. our, our patrons. They yep. get to listen to the extra hour and a half of us making fart jokes and talking about something so you don't care about shocked that no one has signed up for that yet but now that i think about it i don't think we've ever talked about it to anybody 
No. I just thought we were remarkably unpopular. No, I, I just thought people should just kind of know, be able to pull it out of the ether. That there's probably a Comics Place Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, catch up, everybody. Which is, you know, I think better but less successful than our comic shop OnlyFans, which has just been, <laughs> you know, Django and I killing afternoons <laughs> in the basement. Just just being fans about things. OnlyFans allowed here. Yeah. You like DC? Awesome. Let's talk about DC. That's a great segue. Let's talk about Infinite Frontier number zero written by... Wait, there was just one writer on this one, right? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, God. Aviating, Um, bobbating, crashivating, dancebating. There's a framing device written by Joshua Williamson, Jim Tinian IV, and Scott Snyder. And there's... uh, Justice League by Bendis, Batman by Jimmy TIV, Wonder Woman by Becky Cloonan, Wonder Girl by Joel Jones, Green Lantern by Jimmy TIV, Teen Titans Academy by Tim Sheridan, Superman by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Joshua Williamson, Stargirl, Jeff Johns, Green Lanterns, Jeffrey Thorne, The Flash, Joshua Williamson, and an epilogue by our framing team. Wow, that sounds like it wouldn't be as enjoyable as it was to me. I'm out of breath just listening. I know herniating yeah so this is it's what 650 pages long and it follows wonder woman um hanging out with uh dc's watchers right the quintessence yeah quintessence (laughs) yeah wonder woman's wonder woman's hanging out with them because apparently she's dead and gonna transcend the godhood basically yeah, that's the end of death metal. Is what happened there. She transcended. She was like, "You were, you were, you did the best. You, we all owe you one. We're gonna let you become a deity." And they go ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future in this book, and they take her to visit the world that she's leaving behind because she's like, "I don't know. I hope that I didn't mess everything up. I want to make sure everyone's good." And they're like, "They're gonna be good, but if you need proof, let's just, you know, come in and know me better, man." Uh, and that was a ghost of Christmas present joke. Um, and, uh, I was, I prepared myself by being like, okay, DC has been cranking out a lot of these like eight and 10 piece anthology books. And I just read all of those titles. It's 12, 12 in this with the epilogue. So I was prepared to be like, eh, I skipped one story. Mm-hmm. primarily because of the art i didn't realize i think if they had actually gotten like writing credits within the book somewhere that would have been helpful maybe gotten me to read that because now knowing that it was jeff johns i generally like everything i read from him but todd knock on art is a tough sell for jeff but anyway i got to like the very end of this and i was like holy shit i think i just read almost this entire thing and <laughs> and like liked it all for the most part well so the first person that she visits is superman where um somebody High up at DC wants to call Black Adam Shazadam. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty bad. And yeah, uh, awful. it's crazy because like that was announced as a thing that was going to happen. And then people were like, no, it's not actually happening. They're just an Internet thing that's happening. So I don't know if this is them trying to make it happen or referencing that Internet thing that happened. Either way, someone should put it in a box and never talk about it again. <laughs> Deal. Superman doesn't even honor it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the art in this one, though. And I thought the... The story was super simple, but I'm digging the Philip Kennedy Johnson Superman stuff. Yeah, although was that the Bendis one? No. No. I don't think so. Bart. No, that was Philip Kennedy Johnson. Same guy that did the the Superman War World or whatever and the fall of the House of L hmm. uh, from Future State. And I was you sure I was, with the, the first credit is 
David or his Justice League by I mean it, that Superman one says that, but it looks like David Marquez's art. Yeah, I wasn't oh, sure gosh. how to read the uh, credits oh, right. page <clears throat> if it goes down and then up and down, or if it goes across. <laughs> I think it goes down. I think you're right, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, never mind. I hated it. <laughs> I I thought it was quick. It sounds like it is a very Bendis thing to be like. Remember everyone talking about Shazadam online? I'm gonna poke everybody and put it in this comp. Like that's yeah a very him thing to do. But that that one was more or less fine to me. We're setting up this sort of Black Adam thing that's going to be coming down the pipes, and that seems to be related to the the Rock movie. And mm-hmm. did they finish filming that? You think? Do you think they started filming that at some point? I don't know. Like, I don't know. What are they going to do? Like the Rock ages fast. He's he's going to look a year older when they pick up again. There's a Rock of Ages joke in there somewhere. Probably yeah, there is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't pull. Sorry, Roman. Uh, it wasn't. A, I think a part. Of it. I was going to say. I don't know if they've working on that movie because I've been watching his series on YouTube mm. or Hulu where he's running for president in like 20 years or something. Hmm. And it's he's just. A- telling his story his background growing up and everything it's it's great hmm. huh but yeah i didn't pull a ton out of this one outside of the fact that we're gonna have superman crossing paths with black adam at some point shazadam shazadam rather and then we got this like <laughs> batman story that seems like there was a second half of it later on or did that happen like yeah went... it was kind of spread around yeah she went back to batman <laughs> but but here's the thing that i was impressed with is that this so in the Batman one, Goth or uh, Arkham Asylum is being taken over by the Joker, and we are like jo- Joker gas. I guess we don't know that it's the Joker. There's a quote that the guard says over the radio that is repeated in Suicide Squad this hmm. week. When Suicide Squad is in Arkham Asylum, you see that same quote. So this is happening in parallel, which uh, for a for a an infinite frontier where we don't have to worry about continuity anymore. That's the tightest continuity I've seen in a DC comic since like 1960. Yeah. Shame me once. Shame on you. Shame me twice. Shame on me. Jimmy TIV. You know, that's a cool, there's got a cool setup to a story here. It's like everyone in Arkham Asylum's got this pretty disgusting, disfigured Joker thing. And like Bane is dead and everyone's jaw is unhinged. And mm-hmm. I, I'm into that. It's picked up on later, and it turns out that Scarecrow has done a fear gas thing. Scarecrow in the craziest, scariest Scarecrow costume I've ever seen. It's a pretty great costume. I, I like it a lot, actually. You think he likes him because it's two words? Scarecrow. Oh. I'm I'm excited. I'll start reading. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll get into it. Jimmy TIV, damn it. And I'm going to feel dumb in three issues, but whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited because it looks pretty. What I'll say that on this other world of infinite frontiers, though, I don't think that I'm, I personally didn't need this like tie in to like, do you think they're ready for my magistrate program? It's like we just finished Future State and it was an attempt like you're showing yet, baby. you're showing your hand that you guys were going to do 5G and now you've just repurposed 5G and it became Future State and then other things becoming it. But like, don't don't sell me an egg and tell me it's a whatever those expressions are. <laughs> that Batman shot though, like halfway through the uh when he's like, I'm on my way, and he's like upside down. I, I yeah. really liked that that shot. Yeah, the art in this was great. Roman, what did you think of the Nubia? Like the bit there. Did that make you excited for what's gonna be happening with Nubia as my resident Nubia expert? Well, <clears throat> no, not quite, because I kind of felt I don't know. 
I kind of felt like they copped out a little bit because I was like, oh, so Nubia is not going to be Wonder Woman. She's going to be the queen of the Amazons, which means she won't be prominent in the stories, I imagine, because Apollo never was. Yeah. So we're going to have Diana as Wonder Woman and her mom as Wonder Woman again, like she was post whichever crisis, whatever, where she was the Wonder Woman of the Golden Age. Mm. Mm, but yeah, yeah, I was kind of like, ah, oh, really? Nubius doesn't get to be Wonder Woman again. What did <laughs> you think always... of the uh, the little Dune thing that they did where they uh, lied about what was in the box? Because they tested oh. her by saying this is, they, they tested all of the candidates for being a leader um, by saying this is, this box has the head of a Gorgon. Yeah. And Nubia is the only said. one who's got the guts to stick around and uh, retrieve the crown. Not even, not, not even a severed head in there. Jesus. God. I did love the line of just sort of like, do you really have that severed head? Of... She's like, well, it is the head of a Gorgon. You don't just toss it in a wastebasket or something like that. <laughs> yeah. like, that's a, that's a fun. Yeah. I mean, I like that device. I didn't, I didn't realize it was also done in Dune. Though I didn't like that bit of dialogue about the wastebasket because I was like, why? That made me go look. Did Bendis write this? Because <laughs> I was like, why are they is having this... fun while writing this? Because I was like, why is Hippolyta using this like British UK slang? A and Greek even... Ama- an ancient Greek Amazon probably doesn't call the wastebasket the bin. Yeah, yeah. I forget who wrote that one, but I wonder if they're British. But yeah, even like to the the preface for that scene is like Wonder Woman is like, well, my mother's still in mourning, and this whole scene she doesn't seem to be in mourning. She's just like making puns and saying no. funny shit. But I, I, I liked the Yara floor for I don't know, that one was just three pages, I guess. But I, I mean, I just stopped it for a minute. I was like, I just I love Joelle Jones's art. Uh, yeah, yeah, the art and the colors made me want to go to an airport. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Her art was cool. It wasn't until really that one that I started really caring about any of the stories in this so mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, yeah. It, it took a little dip in the middle-ish of, of the whole whole thing for me, but yeah, that... I... I was, ex- I was yeah. excited for the... Well, I thought it was a Justice Society story because I wasn't paying attention to the credits, but I still liked the uh, <clears throat> Alan Scott story. I like Alan the- Scott's mouth. I liked the Alan except for that panel. <laughs> I liked the Alan Scott story. I liked it. Is that actually a panel from New Frontier? Like, is that it looks like it, Darwin yeah. Cook yeah. right there, which is awesome. Incorporate that in there, but uh, yeah, it just made me kind of compare it to the one that we got in the Green Lantern 80th anniversary special that was Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, and it was like him coming out in that story. Oh, oh um, yeah, well, that, that was definitely better. But... Yeah, um, but th- yeah, this one was fine. But it just felt a little bit like a re- of a retread for that, but. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess it's cool to be telling his kids, which didn't happen in that other one. Yeah, I just yeah. I thought that showing just his mouth when he says I'm gay was kind of a cop out. Like, I'd like to see his his whole body language. I'd, r- I'd rather see a zoomed out shot for that. Yeah, I would, too. That was a little too <clears throat> not not quite, but it was in the same ballpark. I kind of feel like as the way North Star came out. Hmm. Which wasn't was which was in the middle of a battle and he just yells it out because he's angry. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I, I guess I never read that one. It was a big deal when I was in high school. Yeah. yeah. Crazy Teen Titans only got two pages, but I do like whatever teen drama thing is going to happen here. I hope it's like a Lord of the Flies. It makes me feel like Avengers Academy from when that came out back when Marvel Now happened. And, mm-hmm. um, and 
Yeah, I don't know. Somebody with the red X costume in his in his bag, right? Yeah, and then somebody else is holding a copy of the new Teen Titans, and it just looks like they've got a whole recruit team that's going through a going to be going through some sort of schooling program. And I love me some high school angst. Just a little Harry Potter Teen Titans. Yeah. 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 The Superboy story was or Superman, whatever they're calling him. That was all right. Mainly, I like the art. Yeah, I think that this I'm interested in what they're doing with it, because like clearly they're seeding that somehow there's a story where he's going to be a bad guy or per- perceived as a bad guy. And I'm interested in what that story is going to be. How weird, though, that they're like, well, listen, everything's going to be all right. Wonder Woman, we're going to show you. Every- oh, wait, actually, except for this fucking kid. This fucking kid doesn't belong here. He's born not from here. He's not from around here. And I don't like him. I don't want him in my backyard. Like, it's very, it was a oh, very wait, He's kind of nice. Never mind. Oh, maybe I was wrong. It's like, how, how all powerful and wise are you, Quintessence? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it really did. I, it made me think, too. They just turned, they just redeemed Superboy Prime. So it's, I'm like, oh, so now are they going to turn? john kent into like Mm. the replacement for superboy prime we always need a bad superboy in the dc universe i guess i guess yeah it's just a weird weird decision that character yeah this yeah uh and then we got two pages of black canary and uh our favorite green arrow hanging out and getting a call from his sidekick or who's back from the dead that's when it was really hitting me. They're like, well, they are just undoing specifically the last like five years of storytelling. They, they want to undo yeah. everything Tom King has done. They want to <laughs> undo everything Bendis has done. They want to fucking make sure Jimmy TIV gets heard even more. Um, yeah. but like, they want to make sure that Dan Didio uh, can never come back to DC. Don't let Doomsday Clock or Watchmen show anywhere throughout all of it. Like it is a very clear, like everything specifically that happened in Rebirth is being mm-hmm. undone. Even more so, it feels like than the New Fifty Two. I really the my one of my favorite lines in this is when Ollie says, "Did I mention that I'm richer than Batman now?" And I thought about Dino. I almost sent him a picture of this. Uh, and and uh, Black Canary says, "Ollie, if I ever cared about that, I would have called myself Bat Canary." Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that was really cute. A pun and characters that Dino loves. Roman, uh, I didn't read the Stargirl story because I, again, I explained that, but then you came at me with saying it was one of the best ones. Tell me about it. Um, you know, it, and it wasn't anything new or original. It was just a r- short recap of her origin, her stepdad's origin, because he was the original sidekick of the original star, star spangled kid in the 40s with the JSA and Seven Soldiers of Victory. So it's just kind of recap that and introduce the relationship to anybody that hasn't read their comics or seen the show on HBO Max. Um, and at the end of it, there's a nice little vigilante. That's who the guy in the cowboy hat, the red handkerchief is, calls Stripesy. And uh, so there's going to be doing something with Seven Soldiers of Victory, which mm-hmm. I think is exciting. Hmm. We go back to that Batman scene. Again, I, I did sort of like the you know, Scarecrow talking about how everyone's gotten comfy in their town and they've all changed, but there's just a nice sort of single panel of a whole bunch of different characters. And I liked the almost Godfather-esque, you know, the montage at the end of Godfather 1 where spoilers for Godfather 1, they like do that (laughs) hit on all the mafia bosses. And um, I I dug that. I don't... It's nice to see Ghost, Maker, Clown, Hunter, Punch, Line all together again. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't, since I didn't read that run, I didn't know. So Ghost Baker, Ghost Baker is a good guy. I stopped mm. reading after that. I, <laughs> you know, every time I've been checking, but yeah, he's an old friend of Bruce's. They used to be competitive with one another. And now he's come back and was fighting Bruce. And Bruce was like, we could do more good together. Oh my God. And he's like, I was- okay, cool. I'll <laughs> stick around and help. Jeez. Is that right, Django? Yeah, it's the kind of thing that Roman could probably write with his butt. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, gee, for such a lonely, like, emotionally damaged child, Bruce sure did have a lot of a lot of friends that showed up twenty years later to be costume yeah. villains or heroes. Yeah, Tommy Elliot, another one. Yeah, <laughs> um, the Green Lantern one was cute just because you know we get to see John Stewart. Um, and I forget the other Simon Baz uh, bring this new teen lantern whose name I hate just that name teen lantern uh, yeah. to Oa for the first time. And they kind of just sort of like say, Hey, stop what you're doing. Look at this. You're going to appreciate it. And that was kind of a cute little scene. Yeah. That was kind of cute. I didn't like the right before that. There's this, I think it's the introduction of a new, Oh, bad rich person in Gotham. Simon. Oh yeah. Simon Thanks. saint, which I was the whole time I was like, well, I guess it's just this artist, but I was like, what's wrong with his neck? He has no neck or he has this scrawny bird neck. But plus the whole thing, I was like, Simon Saint, come on. So he's named after the main character on the old Saint TV series, whose name mm. was Simon Templar. Mm. But I was like, geez, that's all. Ah, who cares? Unoriginal. Saint Simon from another thing as well. I know there's a Shin song called Saint Simon. Oh, I like the Flash. Actually, the Flash bit here was another one of my favorites in this issue all the classic superhero stuff in this i really liked i yeah and i really liked the flash one as well outside of whatever is happening with his eyes on that first panel it's like fetal alcohol (laughs) syndrome barry allen why are your eyes so far apart barry it's the speed force (laughs) but i really liked this bit and we're talking about um the planets that have shown up the elseworlds planet and then the you know the the anti you know what the one where dark dark yeah, side is earth, earth omega yeah yeah i like i like that i like that flash barry allen is going to be out doing his thing in the the world the, the multiverse and then we get wally west is returned as being flash i think that's a i think i love barry allen more than wally west personally because that's just who i know yeah. more but there's so much wally west and there's so many people who that is their flash for so long that I do think that allowing Barry Allen to have a series where he's doing like a multiverse thing and then still allowing Wally West to be a flash is a really good way of having your cake and eating it too. You could get with this and you could get with that flash. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that they put Wally back in a flash outfit instead of the cosmic blue flash, whatever he was for a while there. Dr. Manhattan Mobius chair guy. So apparently that's all gone, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. No, the flash one gave me more excitement about the general direction of things. And, and then we just get this. What I really liked is the Spectre talking to Wonder Woman. He's like, well, you've seen everything. She's like, yeah, I've made my decision. He's like, OK, cool. Well, let's go turn on, turn you into a goddess. And then she's like, oh, no, I'm not fucking doing it. I'm I'm going back. And they're, you know, he's like, well, what do you what do you mean? He's like, well, all of this fun, infinite possibility. Like, no, I'm going to have a new costume and go play in the sand. And I I really liked that kind of like bait and switch because it seemed like she's got a new cover and she's like a new costume and um, all this jazz. And I think it was cool. They just undid that right away there. I like her costume. Yeah. I like this new one. Yeah. The red and silver. Yeah. Her white one was dumb. The, um, yeah. Did you guys like the splash page of every single superhero that Jimmy TIV hasn't created on one page? Ugh. Uh, I don't, I didn't like that. <laughs> splash oh, this page. One? Yeah, yeah. I just kind of flipped past that. Cool poster bros. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like the poster that every book <laughs> fair will have, but no kid will buy. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't like them all. I like Superman, Dad. Or I like them when they feel like they're cool pictures, but this is like everyone. It's like an you know like when DC Rebirth happened and Ivan Reese had drawn that horribly generic. Um, anyway, if you're gonna do this, yeah. make it ten times as many superheroes, and I've then I'm great. In. I've got a great fucking idea. Let's do an epilogue and have one of the coolest characters in all of the DC history ever have a have a character redesigned by fucking John Romita Jr. I couldn't tell if it was a redesign or just a bad drawing. There's no blue on it. It's just like gray and gray. Maybe that's a maybe that's a kind of blue. It, it felt like a bit of a like a kind of a a newish look. I guess it's actually, frankly, it's closer to the original Dark Side than the New Fifty Two redesign was, where you had the big tubes and yeah. stuff, but. Just it was a weird decision on my my mind that to have John Romita Jr. do that. How us. can a, how can somebody be that tall and look that short? That's what I <laughs> and want have to that thin <laughs> of legs and shit. Well, that was going to be ten minutes and it was twenty two. So nice work, we Sweet. did good there. Sweet. We're barreling through these number ones. Barely barreling through them. Man. You guys need to practice your chant skills. We can get through this way fast. I don't know. Talking about it as a whole, <laughs> I actually liked how much kind of like Romans had identified that like, I like the classic superhero stuff. It did make me feel like there was going to be some amount of a return to a DC that feels familiar and classic. And mm -hmm. I hope that happens. I guess every time they've done one of these reboots, it's been that hope for me, but this, you know, they kind of talk about just removing a lot of boundaries and expectations for continuity. I, I don't know. It, it made me hopeful. I, I enjoyed this issue actually much more than I thought I would. Yeah, I read a lot of DC this week and really I'm, I'm excited to see what they're doing next. I would I'd give this a seven with the potential of probably an eight. I think I would give this $8 huge comic book an eight because on the one hand, I did feel a little like, all right, well, kind of fuck you guys for making me pay $7 for ultimately preview pages like this is a bunch of three or four page preview pages six dollars for a comic that I, I don't know marvel hands out those marvel previews to people and it's it's basically this thing without a framing yeah. device um so like on the one hand it is like you're making me pay to read advertisements for your series but but i actually it made me want to read all of them so most of them yeah. rather I'd, I'd give it a seven i mean there's only a few a few of them that I'm it got me excited for. And there was a whole lot of like, I feel jaded. There was a whole lot of it. I was like, yeah, Wonder Woman's been offered to be a goddess before. She was a goddess. She turned it down. We've seen all this. Yeah. So a lot of it, I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> wow. Roman that... is now, it took, finally Roman became jaded about comics. <laughs> I'm, I'm optimistic for Stargirl and the JSA and the Green Lantern stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Berserker number one from Boom Comics by Keanu Reeves, Matt Kent, and Ron Garney. I think the only way Berserker? to talk about this is at full Berserker. volume. We have to scream the whole thing. <laughs> and we can't use any, uh, any, um, ah, I forgot my joke. Never mind. Oh, we can't use any vowels. <laughs> yeah, thank you. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no I E A I O U's or whatever that is. I like Ron Garney. He does art for a long time now, and this <laughs> felt a little bit more rushed than I kind of generally consider Ron Garney. He most recently did that Juggernaut miniseries, but he 
did a like '90s stuff. He did some Mark Wade Captain America before okay. that got canceled. And... God, that was Juggernaut had been in this. I know. <laughs> this guy kind awesome. of is Juggernaut. This is a book on paper I wouldn't think I would like because it's just kind of an action book. But I thought it was paced really well, and I yep. liked the art. And because it was a 40-page comic, but it was paced so well and it a little bit predictable, but you know, ultimately Keanu Reeves has been alive for like 8,000 years or something and he can't die and he's just seeking mortality and he's tied up with some government agencies to try and find mortality, but he's just been this invincible assassin fucking people up for ever now. I, I know why you liked it so much, Jeff. It's because it's just a documentary about Keanu Reeves. I forget. It's uh, and, and Keanu Reeves doesn't entirely look different from Paul Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> so I can pretend it's... It's him. I, I just I was really thinking it was going to be kind of like a vanity project or just a mindless action movie. Like I did John Wick. Do you like John Wick? And while it is kind of John Wick, it's like John Wick mixed with, you know, blank and blank. Yeah, like when he gets his nose shot off, th yeah. there are just so many scenes in here where I was like, holy shit, this is really good action movie in a comic book. Like it's, I, I'm not a huge fan of just the dude dressed in the paramilitary outfits running through and shooting people, but there's a lot of um, like uh, surrounding awareness action and, and punch them up that is a lot different than what you get from just people walking around shooting their way through building. And, you know, it's, it's all super derivative, but they picked good things to derive from and they did a good hmm. job putting them together. You know, even even the art has moments where you're like, oh, oh nice Frank Miller panel, bro. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I thought it was way better than I expected. And uh, I'm I'm totally and I also heard that Keanu has already started working on the second story arc. So, nice. yeah. Roman, what did you think about this vowel list comic? I thought it was bold for them to not do an, a vowel in the entire book. Yeah, you think that take people off because it's you know are they key? Figuring, yeah, figuring out how to read it. I mean, um, you know, it's funny. I thought of you, Jeff, because because I ended up. I mean, yeah, this did what it did really well, but for the most part, I didn't care until it got to the end and there was kind of a twist, and I was like, okay, well, that's interesting um, mm -hmm. that he's pretty much immortal. But all the action stuff. It's funny. I had the thought reading. It. I was like, you know, I want to see this movie, but I don't want to read this comic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I really want to see, see this movie, but I, the, I was reading this on the deck in Leavenworth this morning. And like I actually made sounds out loud, like laughed out loud because it's it's like paramilitary hardcore violence. But then it's like eyeballs it like just it's nose getting shot of an eyeballs getting punched. There's just panels of like bloody fists with eyeball viscera. And it's just so over the top that it's like very dumb. It's like Lobo when he when this guy's uh, jaw gets punched clean off. I was like, and oh, I, yeah, Lobo. Man. And I think that there are people that would just not they would just read this as like nice cool you know like and not have that be like <laughs> yeah. hilariously over the top but it's all it's like it's more like quentin tarantino to me than it is mm -hmm. any moment that i started to get a little bit bored i then tried to reread it in keanu's voice and fuck it if we all don't love keanu like he's just he's just a sweetheart he's a sweet man he does good in the world he's overcome tremendous tragedy 
to still be a person that spreads positivity into the world. I just, I, I admire him. I really like him and I wish nothing but success. For, oh, wait, he already found it. He found it a long time ago. <laughs> I don't need to wish any success for fucking Keanu Reeves. Man, I wish I wasn't Keanu Reeves. Instead, I wish I had a perfect memory and I was 80,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> People shot my nose off all the time. Yeah, for me, it was, and it's funny. I like, I don't like Ron Garney art as much as I used to. Like, yeah. When I was in high school, he was doing the Silver Surfer. It was great. Mm -hmm. Looking at this, and again, sorry, this is other one. I my I feel jaded, like I've been reading comics too long or something. That reading this, the stuff that was over the top and gory and everything, that's going to work for a lot of people. Didn't work for me because I was look, looking at Garney's art and thinking, boy, Jeff Darrow did this so much better and hard boiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, and I described it as like oh. It's, it feels like rushed, but I just don't know that he has the same detail level anymore. Like it, like yeah, a lot. Even that first panel of him jumping out of the helicopter, looking at his shoe there, I'm just like, ah, oh, there's like a, you're kind of like removing things to provide line. Like you're not, oh. I, I don't know. There's just some weird. It's just a, I don't know. I, he's an artist who even when even like this kind of rushed look is still kind of unusual looking, and I like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I'd give it... I mean, I better read the next one. I'd give it a seven. I liked it a lot. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Like, I, I want to say an eight and a half. Yeah. I, 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 by, in contrast to you guys, I really liked the art. Um, I thought it was super well choreographed, and I liked the, the sketchiness, but it didn't feel like... like Boom has kind of a house style when it comes to this stuff, mm -hmm. and this feels a cut above that house style. Yeah, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable here because I, I can sense the vibe in this room and there is an amount of like inherent negativity going into things. So I want, <laughs> I want everyone to be be generous because I'm going to say something. My favorite book of the week, I think, was Dead Dogs Bite by Tyler Boss from Dark Horse Comics. And this is a uh, number one that came out that I didn't really know anything about. Django and I flipped it through it and I was like, it's a little like four kids walk into a bank and I had forgotten the name, but yeah, Tyler Boss did the art in four kids walk into a bank and oh. co-wrote it with Matthew Rosenberg. And it's, it's, it's got this like an almost twin peaks slash um, like this velvet glove cast in iron vibe, this like kind of weird dream logic a little bit going through it. I really like the art, which has, it feels a little bit like Jorge Fornes in terms of the stark flats of the colors, but that's also got like a David Aja, like weird, um, like looking at a newspaper from far away, like everything kind of blends into this perfect grid like system. And it, it's really gratifying to look at for the me. Grocery stores are, are shelved just so just perfectly. Yeah. And then it reminded me very much of one of my favorite TV shows, which is Veronica Mars, which is hmm. like a crime story with a female detective and, um, and I love that story, but it just like the, the nonsense of this tickled me in the perfect ways at different times, just the way that the story was told. I loved, I love this weird narrator that shows up. I love the scene at the grocery store when the person she's like trying to pay for something. And she's like, what happened to your cast Fergie? And he's like, Oh, my clappers. It's a it's a pretty cute story, actually. I was in a punching incident and this other guy walks up, interrupts him. He's like, just cuts him off, starts talking. And she walks away, but then she can hear in the background. What's the deal with your clappers anyway? He says, my clappers? Oh, my flim flams. <laughs> it's a pretty cute story, actually. And and then like, it's just this weird like and then and then like at one point, you know, this girl, there's a there's a missing person and it's her. 
ex-girlfriend and she's kind of investing it with this boy who maybe also dated her or were friends or I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, they're, they're like up at this makeout point And I don't, there's just a weird, the whole page is used to introduce this makeout point with these two people that show up there. And then it's like a scary person shows up at the window and it's just our girl that we know and are comfortable with. And like, they just take, I, I don't know. It's it, the whole thing was told with a unique voice to me and I, I really dug the art and there's some yeah eeriness to it that I, I really dig. I, I this this really, really scratched some itches for me. Yeah, I thought I thought it was wonderful. The the body language is all amazing. I like that the guy calls milk cow blood. Um and I like yeah. I like the mystery that the narrator, like the it's it's almost like a Twilight Zone yeah. kind of situation where he's just kind of standing there in the action explaining things to you in a weird way. Um, yeah. I, I liked everything about this. I, I was kind of set up to not like it. Justin, Justin thought I probably wouldn't dig it that much because it gets kind of ethereal and, and weird, but I, 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 everybody's two feet stayed on the ground. I was into it. Yeah, I was too. Um, everything you guys just said this was this was a nice surprise um love the art love the weirdness of it i thought the same thing about this rod serling type narrator that's i i at first i thought the end of the story was actually involved in the story but no he's just there but maybe not necessarily involved yeah it's a good book it was one of my favorite books of the week i just could not recommend highly enough for people to check this book out it is a really unique book that um i went in assuming i wasn't gonna like because it frankly felt kind of like it was gonna be like a jangoey crime book you know it looks Dead like one. dogs bite you know yeah yeah i love that the missing girl's name is cormac guffin yeah so like her name is mcguffin yeah yeah every everything about the art it, there's there's just something interesting in every single panel yeah i would i would read this guy's art in anything liked it I would give it, <clears throat> I'm feeling crazy, boys. I'm going to give it a 9.5. I am um, too. It, All right, it me really, too. Yeah, nice. Cool. It just defied my expectations. Okay, guys, let's talk about the big meat sandwich, all right? Let's talk about this thing. Let's get this big old loaf off the table. Let's talk a little bit about Pimento. Now, Django, you are so angry right now, and I get it, um, because this company, Bad Idea, is probably just that. Um, <laughs> but it is a group of people who a year and a half ago decided to do this thing. The, the people who were running Valiant, but then got pushed out after it got sold to a different company. There was a buyout and they pushed these folks out and they started this company called Bad Idea. And it is, they're not releasing their comics and trade paperbacks and they're doing really limited print runs and stores limit one per customer. They can't increase the value of it. They can't resell online. A whole bunch of rules. Six of them. That are basically designed to create a sense of scarcity but prevent comic stores from capitalizing off of that scarcity mm -hmm. and really only creating a secondhand scalping market for it, which is, is the goal. And I support it because that's what they're doing. It's been transparently that since the get go, um, a year ago, but we signed up for it. We're one of the, we were in that first wave of retailers that got to do it. This is the very first book that's come out from them. It's ENIAC. It got orders increased at a time that apparently was too late. So then they took every comic store's order for the first issue and they cut it in half and they only got half of that order as first prints. And then they did not first prints, which is their term for the second printing. 
-hmm. because it is the second printing if we're looking at it in a factual lyrical lexical way but there Um, will not be a third printing when they do the third printing allegedly it'll still be called not first printing right i'll believe Um, it when i see it so half of our orders are the second printing and so we've just got a, a an artificially inflated scarcity for a book that also ultimately feels like it's being set up to be turned into a movie uh, but it's written by Matt Kent and art by Doug, Braith- Doug Braithwaite, which is the <laughs> same creative team that did Exo Man of War for mm-hmm. Valiant from the same owners uh, for a good while. And so they jumped over. And that's the long explanation. And they're going for tons of money. They're like valuable. They had gave us a gold pin to give to the first person that had signed up for the book. And now that pin has sold for as much as like five or six hundred dollars online. <laughs> um, and it it is pretty crazy. And already one store has started selling copies of it online. And then they made this big public statement about like they're banned from the program. They've been kicked out. They sent an email to everybody. This store is no longer in it. It's so fucking weird. And at the same time, not weird at all. Because it's I, so clearly what it is, which is manufactured scarcity. I vacillate between like forehead vein popping fury and kind of wonder at their genius i'm either i'm either super mad or super into what they're doing jeff has watched me change probably seven or eight times in a day watch me go back and forth there and one of the most infuriating things this week for me was really 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 liking the comic yeah it's like god damn it they're also making good comics i mean it's matt kent it's somebody like our store is a huge matt kent store like everyone mm-hmm. that works at our store has loved a matt kent book in the last like four years um, yeah. of a variety of, of different ones so yeah this is a great creative team um i think the whole thing would have been a lot less shitty if our store was open and we weren't trying to do this through online sales and therefore allowing people from outside of the state to scoop in and purchase and prepay for a ton of the books that we would ordering would have been easier beforehand because we would have been selling it to our stat like our customers the people coming in the store, but um, because we can't, no, they can't do that, now, they can't we turned it off. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So, so it is only going to be a local thing anymore, but it's just, it's been a bananas thing. Um, I think other stores are probably not having as hard of a time dealing with it if they're open. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it, it runs the gamut. It, it's yeah. just a, a, a super divisive thing, but the comic was well-written. The art, I thought was great. The colors were awesome. The The paper stock was spectacular. The cover stock is great. The backup story was even better, I thought, than the main story. And uh, like as, as a product, if you're just looking at the thing that you're holding in your hands, it's high quality for the same price that you pay for a, you know, a 22 page Batman comic. Um, it basically follows a team that is told that ENIAC, this computer from the 50s, right? Yeah, World War II. Um, World War II came up with like a way to network and started controlling things. Like this AI was birthed in World War II rather than in the future. And so it's got control over everything at this point. It's it's running governments and manipulating world events. And so this pair of... Um, this pair of military women are, are out to get it. And I, th- I thought it was plotted well, drawn well. The 
the intrigue where the dude's like, oh yeah, uh, this is a super important meeting and we don't want ENIAC to see us. So we're going to sit under an umbrella, totally naked on a nude beach. And you have to and walk have this in the desert. You had to walk the final mile alone <laughs> without having any vehicles. Like, because they're that paranoid. I, Django, I totally agree with your point. I think in, from looking at the physical product in your hand, mm -hmm. it is better than every other comic on the stand. Uh, yeah. The paper stock is better. The cover material is better. The graphic design is better. The interior cover is being used. There's a backup story. It's huge. It looks nice. It's mm -hmm. it's it's a, a a smashing success of a product. And because I'm not having to do a bunch of the programming to make it so like this thing is a thing that we can sell online, which is the only way that we're able to sell. I don't I don't hate them as much because they're not creating a lot of extra work for me. Um, I just think it's like it's an interesting thing, and um, and I would rather live in interesting times than boring times. Although I would like to be able to sleep regularly as well, and this <laughs> this has affected that. Did you read the backup story? I did read the backup story, <clears throat> and it was a little confusing. It, what we have somebody who steals a suitcase, and he spends several days trying to get into it, and he couldn't get into it, so he just throws it away ultimately. And then it was buzzing, and ultimately it was a weird group of people were in there and they've opened it and got out and everyone has like died. And it's, yeah, it's like a little prison inside of this suitcase. And when it opens up, like it took me a minute to grok that last page, but it's this tiny little three inch tall dude who's been in a prison and just finally figured out how to, how to trick the lock open. And the prison was this suitcase that's been through the ringer for the last few pages. I, I, I thought that the backup story was even more interesting to me than the, the main story. I just wish it looked good. I'm a I love David Lapham, but he draws some weird looking grotesque bodies and faces. It just looked like when we got that it's it's the hero trade part two, and that's the issue that we yeah. got that came in and like it looked not good. You know, yeah. it looks like an unfinished comic um by a great creative team. So that's just a weird thing to exist in that that regard. Roman did you say that you didn't finish ENIAC? I mean, were you, or I don't know if you even started it. Again, it was so scarce that I don't really know. I was gone out of town this weekend, so I don't even know if there's any traces of it in the store anywhere. Yeah, I didn't read it. I, I forgot that it had come in, and I think at the last time I was at the store, we didn't even have our copies yet. Yeah. I'll get you a not first print. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, get, get me a not fifth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... it's you know, it's interesting. The whole thing is interesting. And I appreciate people doing things interestingly. I just wish that when people were trying to reinvent the wheel, they weren't also actively creating a lot of difficulty for other people. Mm -hmm. And in this regard, their attempt to be innovative and edgy and ultimately succeed in what they're doing, which is create a product that people want. Um, that's what they did. But in order to do that, I think that they're kind of isolating some people that they would generally rely on um yeah. and uh yeah just uh interesting interesting extra execution and i think if you want an interesting snapshot of comics in the year 2021 the moment after the pandemic there is not a better one than getting a copy <laughs> of eniac because it will be a thing that people talk about for years and years and years as being a either a horrible idea or a pretty fantastically executed good idea i'd give the comic itself a nine and a half and I would give my frustration point with the company a nine and a half also. <laughs> so congratulations guys. It takes a lot. I'm going to give the comic a nine, but the part of me that also cares about 
creating a physical product that I have like that looks good and like graphic design and aesthetics. Like I think it's a 9.5. I, it feels like it could take a bullet. It's so meaty. Yeah. And like the back art is great. Like everything about it looks cool. And they ultimately have said that they just want to make it when there's a week that a bad idea comic comes into a store, it feels special. And I, I, I think they have succeeded in doing that. Roman, did you read Demon Days X-Men? I did. I did. Did you like um, it? My Peach Momoko? Yeah. Um, let me see. I, the art was really pretty. Yeah. Um, it, Peach it, Momoko, baby. Did, well, yeah, which, you know, I've liked his, her, their, I don't know, covers. Um, some of them. Some of them I haven't. I'm with you. It? That's that's my relationship with her art is like yeah. some of it. Yeah. It's incredibly stylized. Yeah. 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 Like I really my favorite character in this is the the Wolverine wolf just because mm -hmm. the look on his looks on his face are so great. It was a good uh, fable folklore type story. That was really fun. It was fun to read. It's fun to look at. Well, Roman, what I want to talk to you about, because I did something for you. Well, not for you. I did it for me. And then I gave up for me. And then I kept going for you. Um, I, I really liked I liked that Marvel said, Peach Momoko, you've been making everyone wish that they had signed an exclusivity contract with you because speculators are going insane for your covers right now. So Marvel was the first that was like, what do you want to do? We'll let you write and draw anything you want. And what she had said she wanted to do was this quarterly thing called Demon Days. Um, and it's sort of basically rooted in a, it's an Elseworlds version of the Marvel Universe. There's Venom in it and Wolverine, but Wolverine's a wolf and Venom's a symbiote that's attached to a snake. And it's kind of rooted in Japanese folklore. But what I did in high school, I took a couple of years of Japanese language and then promptly forgot it all because high school and whatever. Um, but in the last like month, I've started dusting it off and trying to uh, get better at it because I plan to go to Japan in a year and a half or so. And throughout this whole book, what she does is she does stylistic sound effects that are written in Japanese hiragana, the, the alphabet there. And I, I can know the sounds of most of those letters and I know what they I couldn't like. So like, you know, on page like five, it's got like the little Jubilee, Jubilee looking character looking at an apple and there's Japanese writing there. And uh, it's, you know, it's Umu Umu. So every one of those that happened, I got my phone out and Googled Umu Umu, Umu Umu Japanese to English translation and found out what each of those translations was. And I was like, well, this is fun. Like that one, she's saying, hmm, and she's looking at that apple and uh, and Umu Umu is just translation for uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and there are little sound effects like that throughout the entire thing, but I looked up like three of them and I was like, that's fun. Okay. I'm getting it. And then I got to one. I was like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I was like, you know what? Roman would be tickled if I did this. So I'm going to actually look up all of them. So I did, oh, awesome. like I, I translated all of them and it was a very fun interactive thing. I, I like how steeped in like Japanese lore and mythos this is. And the art is very pretty. I didn't particularly like the story, but I do think it's a great, like all ages story. I think if you've got kids, yeah, there's nothing offensive about this and it's pretty to look at and it's cute and it poses excitement and danger. But uh, yeah, it, it was, that was my, my favorite part of it. That's really cool. Yeah. So anyway, I had a fun time reading it for that regard. I think that there's a, I, I think that a lot of different folks get a lot of different things from this and it is a lot of fun to read. What I got is that it was really pretty to look at and I got a little Japanese language stuff. I think if you got kids or anything like that, it'd be really good. I would, I would give it, I'm going to give it a 6.5. It's really pretty, but I didn't think the writing was very special. But I'm glad yeah. she got to do whatever she wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, 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 
I'll give it a 7.5. I mean, just the, the things you did for it and the translations, that's really fun. And I'm curious, you know, there's a Black Widow character at the end. And I love the yokai explanations in the background, in the back matter. Those were really fun too. Mm-hmm. Back matter? Back matter. Um, Hardly know her. So it will close out with Noctara. Let's uh, let's get into a little crime syndicate. I didn't read this one, but you two did. I, I intend to. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I got down to that that thing where I was like, I got time for like eight books today. Let's how far can in can we get? And then it turns out I read all of Infinite Frontier. So it was like, I got time for six books today. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, what well, did you guys think? Crime Syndicate, one of six. Andy Schmidt writing, Kieran McEwen penciling, and Dexter Vines on inks with Steve Olive coloring. Roman, I went into this with probably the lowest expectations I've ever gone into a book for, with. And I thought it was really, 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 really well done. Uh, the, the art was okay, but the, the story I thought was amazing. And the twists that they did on the characters, get making Superman Ultraman and just giving him kind of a different attitude when he was a kid. And uh, the Green Lantern bit especially got me but even like president president ollie oliver queen was pretty awesome is this how closely does this follow earth three from the days of yore when continuity mattered um pretty close uh, i don't think i don't know if they ever actually explored Ultraman's childhood before, but it follows us pretty closely. I mean, on the old Earth 3 with the crime syndicate, it was a different dude was the Green Lantern analog who was, and he was called Power Ring, but mm-hmm. his ring was Volthoom, which was like the first ever Green Lantern, I think, that okay. turned evil and they, the Guardians imprisoned him inside a ring and then he ended up on Earth 3. And it's a parasite that that takes over the user. Jessica Cruz had it at first yeah. when she was a Green Lantern. So yeah. this that's a little different. And the flat the flash of this world, Johnny Quick, he's very different. At least he looks different. I don't know. But everything else is is pretty close. I love that these combination starros, um, Black Mercies show up, mm-hmm. start taking over. I mean, I just have Watchmen vibes. Yeah, yeah. I like the introduction of owl man here and his alfred it's all it's all very very good because i expected to go into this also i was thinking ah this probably won't be won't be very <clears throat> very good and it really surprised me I'm, jeff is that is that page from the superman or the ultraman origin is that uh take on the frank quietly pages it's, it's a panel for panel reproduction of page number one from all-star superman number one yeah oh, cool. that's so like it, it's a good example of like nature versus nurture where Superboy's parents are kind of shitty and lazy. They, they seem like sort of right wing hypocrites. And so he's raised with a totally different attitude. And when they show him the ship, instead of being cool guy, he's just a total dick about it. Um, and I, I really like that kind of thing. You know, like if a kid, if you showed him that same ship 20 hours earlier, he might've had a totally different reaction. And I, I like, I like that a lot. I, I don't know, man. I don't know why I thought this was so awesome, but I thought it was 
I thought it was really good, really fun to read. Yeah, it, it was. It was a. I, I don't know if I. The original doesn't sound like the right word because these characters have been around forever. Um, but it was a good original detail work. I mean, this is probably the most I've enjoyed a crime syndicate story since Morrison and Quietly's Earth Three. Mm-hmm. And I like the the little um, asterisks that told you to go read a comic that will never be published. I did that a couple <laughs> times. Like for more on the Talons, read Owlman Who's Who, Volume One in stores nowhere. <laughs> I love these characters. I love every time they come up when it feels like they're actually being given a shot. I like Jeff Johns's forever evil mm-hmm. event. That was, I think like forever evil than the dark side war, which tied mm-hmm. into it. Like was my favorite part of the new 52. Um, I I'm such a sucker for that. Like the bad version of, of the good guys story that crops up everywhere. Probably that started with you know DC comics or something, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to read this one and I'm glad to hear that you both liked it. Cause I was trepidatious because it's, you know, for every good crime syndicate story, there's four not very good crime syndicate stories. When those came in, I was like, Jeff believes in this or it was returnable. It was returnable. (laughs) And and then like customers started specifically asking us to set it aside for them. And uh, like, I've just been surprised by it at every turn. Do y'all have scores for it? Seven and a half. And I'm going to keep reading it. I'll give it a nine and a half. Nice. It could have gotten a nine and a half out of me if if the art was a little somethinger. It's very nineties looking. It's mm-hmm. like almost Ed McGinnis, and then then it is Brian Hitch. Yeah, which I guess is two thousands, and a little uneven too. Like there are really good panels near pretty pretty bad panels, yeah. but even even with that, well done. Owlman's looking a little rough at times. 7.5 and 9.5. That is so fucking awesome. I love, love when Roman Roman drops something that big on me and I didn't read it, right? A Roman 9.5 is something you take with a grain of salt as you take the oyster and on like, the precipice of your lip and swallow it down in a gooey duck shot. Mm-hmm. And then followed immediately by two aspirin. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not fucking foolish. He's, it's a nine pound hammer, <laughs> this fucking guy here. Um, Noctera by Scott Snyder and Tony Daniels with colors by Timo Mori. This one uh, I liked more than I thought I was gonna, but that is kind of saying nothing um, for me um, <laughs> because my expectations were incredibly low. But Django, just, what did you th- what did you think? Well, why didn't they just name it Noctera? Fuck yeah, because that's how this whole thing feels. <laughs> it's it's like Scott Snyder. You always make me excited to read this. Like, is, is there a word for modern pulp? Because that's what I think that's what he does. It's like trashy page turner sort of rock and roll shit. And mm-hmm. I just like it. I, I always go in thinking uh, this is going to be the one. He's finally going to lose his grip on me. And then I get through this. I'm like, well shit it's like one part walking dead one part pitch black with truckers and compelling characters and a dude wearing vanta black and and now it's a fucking road trip like you of course you got me we're approaching it from like alternate viewpoints because i'm like i scott snyder one of these days you're gonna finally get back on track 
you know, like, you know, all three of us have kids. Um, if you're listening, you don't know, but we all three have kids and we've all shared our parental stories on this podcast. This podcast has been a really w- actually wonderful outlet for us three to come together as dads and sort of mm-hmm. just work through that. You know, we almost called it uh, the podcast Apparent Parents. Yeah. Apparently Parents. Yeah. Um, is, <laughs> but uh, this kind of like my relation with Scott Snyder is like, you know, when your kid finally gets to junior high and he's hanging out or she's hanging out with kids that are a little bit older and you know that someone in that crew smokes cigarettes and you don't want your kid smoking cigarettes and you worry about it. That's what Greg Capullo did to Scott Snyder. Like <laughs> Greg Capullo started working with Scott Snyder and Scott Snyder started saying the word brother excessively in Twitter. He was always talking about brother to Greg Capullo and his stories became really like, you can watch that Batman story. It started as a horror, great you know, Scott Snyder thing and just became more and more. Yeah. Nineties. Fuck. Yeah. And then Scott Snyder has been hanging out there for a while. And I Greg's love like him. sneaking up behind him and saying, can you make him carry a bigger sword? Put a motorcycle in it. <laughs> Make him wear a West Coast Choppers shirt. Um, and like, whatever. I mean, I love Greg Capullo's art and I love Scott Snyder. That's why I'm comfortable like kind of teasing him about this because I'll read every book he puts out. Issue issue number one, at least, because I genuinely like the man. And he is, you know, you can get a hold of him on Twitter and you can just talk to him. and He'll talk back to you like he's a good man and he loves comics, but he yeah he his the last five years his art his writing has taken on a, a real stylistic shift that mm-hmm. really didn't seem present before in the american vampires and the severs and like in that original batman stuff and and it is now very like i don't know fuck it just go for it we'll figure it out and that's cool too i think that's kind of like a free you know a free a liberated artist is one that feels like they're constantly just jazz musing it all together but this one is to me, it's this. It felt almost exactly the same as Undiscovered Country to me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it felt. And but with more Country, horror. Like this yeah. is a horror comic that's got some super duper stuff going on with it. Yeah, and the other one was like a Mad Max comic that's got some super mm-hmm. duper stuff, except both of them are involving truckloads of people moving towards a clandestine <laughs> location with someone chasing them in a well-conceptualized post-apocalyptic future world where everyone has gathered together in one city and we're getting, you know, like we can make it. And it even looks a lot like the city in undiscovered country. Like I know you're not wall. trying to, but you're making you're me feel like them. I should apologize for how much I fucking love. No, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, no, I, no, I know sorry. you're not. I, yeah, but it, like I, his, his stuff is pretty samey. And it shouldn't work on me over and over and over. And it just do. Well, he's a great writer. And even even something that feels very samey from him has an enormous amount of heart packed into it, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that he does have an ability. To, every book he writes, he talks about how close it is to his heart. And thank you for reading <laughs> it because this is a thing. And I genuinely believe that he believes it. And that's why, <laughs> like... I love seeing it every time. It's like, oh, okay, good. You like it. I like it. Cool. We all agree. This is important to you. And I like you. So I'll read this. Probably won't read issue number two, though. But I look forward to. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do. I'm sorry if that. I love the man. And I don't think his books are bad. I just I'm a little I, like I, do something new. I agree with you 100 percent. Like what you were saying is different than the words that I was hearing in my brain when you were saying the right thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> Roman, you fucking loved it, right? You got well, a, I can't believe you got that Noctera tattoo in the same week that the book came out. I know. Well, that was before I read it. Now I now I'm gonna have to <laughs> now I'm gonna have to have it turned into some other kind of tattoo. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I've never met Scott Snyder, so I'm glad to hear he's a super nice guy and kind and everything. I don't know. This issue, uh, I was actually a little bit bored until the the villain shows up at the end in the black suit and he has a burning touch. And then, and then after reading that scene, I got to the end. I thought, huh. So this sound, this reads like the first two chapters of a news, like Stephen King multi-series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It's like, you know, that's the guy from the stand or whatever. No, I, Roman, that I was reading it and I was like, okay, all right. And then the bad guy showed up at the end. I was like, I like the way he talks and I like the way yeah. that looks <laughs> like I like that's that's pretty cool. And I didn't I didn't dislike any part of it, but um, no, it just it was all but now very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, like you said, I don't know if I'll read the second issue, but, you know, I like that villain. But post apocalyptic adventure romp, right? Like that's just not my genre. Right. I think it's good at being that. And that is people's genre. Yeah. I think the main cover does it a disservice because yeah. it looks like some 90s cheesecake, like yeah. Witchblade sort of stuff. Yeah. And I almost didn't grab it to read because of that, because that's that's just not, it's not a genre that I love. And most of the time it feels a little bit like pandery and, and a little bit lecherous to read those ones. And that's what this cover looks like, but it's way better than that if, to yeah. me. So. Yeah, the only, the only reason I read it, I don't know if you guys remember, the only reason I read it is because I asked if you guys were going to read it. You both said yes. I was like, oh, okay, I'll read it. <laughs> I would give it a seven. I would give it a seven and a half. Really? And... That's the like that whole thing with the difference of half of a point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't say I loved it. I just, I was just blown away <laughs> I that I liked it so much, yeah. you know? And, we, you know, we all like... We all like Bob Dylan to some degree. I mean, everybody likes motorcycles to some degree. <laughs> everybody <laughs> likes motorcycles. <laughs> uh, Roman, your score. Uh, I'll give it a six. Roman, huh. you read a ton of comic books. Every We were trying to plot out our books, and we're like, I read this, and you were like, yeah, it's fine. No, it's fine. And you're just like kind of asshole about everything. There has to be some shit that you really loved and that you were kind of an asshole because you were upset that we weren't talking about the things that you really wanted to talk about. So what? What is? What is? What was the ten? What was the bell curve? What was the gooey duck this week? What was the what's thing lurking you, in your in your gooey reservoir? In your you nethers. Know, you know, I don't think I have a ten. Maybe I might have to go back and make Crime Syndicate my ten. Um, I had a lot of nine and a half swap thing. Number one, nine and a half. Was that great? Um, yeah, was... you both loved the future state issues that had happened with that same creative team. I didn't, I haven't read it yet. Yep. Same writer and artist. Um, and it opens up. I almost thought it was a civil war type of thing at first, but it's not, but yeah, good mystery going on. Good supernatural stuff. Does it art. seem related to that? Um, him kind of creating that family of extended swamp thing characters that had happened in the future state. Um, if it is, I I don't see how yet, but that was, you know, set in a far future. The strange thing about that series to me is that it's a 10-issue limited series, and I can't remember the last time we had a 10-issue defined yeah, you're right. series. You're right, that's weird. Mm. Kind of a bizarre story arc it does seem structure. Odd. Of course, Roman, did you did you read Fear Case number two? Um Yeah. 
And I thought that was awesome. I did. I don't remember much about it now, but I know I enjoyed it. It's like I the Pulp Fiction to. case with Cthulian overtones mm. and serial killing and just like gross death scenes and muscle cars. Yeah. And I am like, I, I do kind of, I mean, I like this artist on Grass Kings. I don't like him so much on this type of, mm. I don't know, urban urban mystery type of thing i can, yeah, see, I can that. see that his, his art's a little too feels too rustic okay roman did you read firepower number nine I did. number nine number nine I'm on dead man all of all of my best friends do that <laughs> and i don't know that song to my to my girlfriend best friend That's the like, lyrics i that came up two days ago and she did that number nine. I was like, well, I can't escape this. I can't escape this fucking thing that everyone does. Um, but Firepower number nine, I loved because the final page was a big story beat that I've been waiting for for a long time. So that was really exciting for me. And I, I would give that Firepower number nine a nine or a 9.5. Fuck you. I love that book. Yeah. Yeah. At least a nine. I mean, it wasn't. I felt like it wasn't a surprise because they'd been kind of hinting around that right. for a few we've, issues. But we've been talking about it for a couple months. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was a fun issue, and and the write up and back with with Samney and uh, Kirkman was great because they the, talk the about their matter. yeah they talk about how the um, there's a scene in the issue when it turns out just like me as a reader, uh, Samney as the artist didn't understand from Kirkman's script what was supposed to happen and Kirk, but Kirkman, but Samney's such a good artist. Kirkman just assumed he got it anyway and did it real subtly. And Samney was like, Oh no, I didn't get that at all. I didn't realize that's what you wanted me to do. What, what part was that? <laughs> um, when they shift from, Oh, when he's falling out of the plane and they have this great falling to earth battle. Um, and he uses his firepower to soften his landing a little uh -huh. bit. Well, when he lands on this island and then he wakes up, Kirkman had intended it to be two different islands. They're not the same place. But me as a reader and Samney as the artist assumed they were the same island. I did too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so it was just cute that, you know, Kirkman assumed this was, this was clear and it wasn't clear to anyone. Okay, well, this is going to be a real bloated podcast, everybody, because I don't want to edit Lord. a second one this week, but I do want to talk about this. So thanks for listening to our two-hour two podcast, I'm sure. Um, but WandaVision ended uh, two days ago on the, at the time of recording. And I think it would be fun for us to talk about WandaVision. Django, you most proactively watched it. I mean, at this point, you have to watch those the moment they go up because any given time, one of these episodes is going to cause an issue to become five times as valuable as it was. <laughs> oh, man, and I you dropped to... the ball on this series. Um, well, this was our learning curve, man. This was our... Yeah. Um, now we know that every one of these episodes for these Marvel television shows that will probably be coming out from now until the sun blots out and goes away um, <laughs> is, you know, got the, the ability to turn issue valuable. But the final episode came out. I just thought it would be fun to see where everyone felt about this series. I'll go first. I didn't care about this series going into it at all. And I even felt like, well, the shop's closed. I'm a little like we've seen so many superhero movies. I don't Finally love get a break. I don't I don't love action movies. I love like indie movies of people talking with just one shots of two people talking for an hour and a half. Um, that doesn't usually happen in Marvel movies. And I came onto this probably two episodes in because people were talking about it being good. And I loved it pretty much the entire way through. I think it took a dip 
I think like episodes, maybe like six, seven, eight were a little after, bit after slower. the parodies. Yeah, I guess when the parodies stopped, I think that it was it required the parodies for me to really care. And my girlfriend, Sam, she's amazing. But she also said the same thing was like when those stopped and she doesn't really like superhero stuff that much. So um, when those stopped, she lost interest. But we did. We finished it out together. What I think is fantastic about that series is that those movies are all good. None of them are bad, but very few of them to me are interesting. Mm -hmm. And this had the time and space to be interesting and intriguing. I think because those movies take place over two and a half hours and this take place over nine or 10 singular hour long things. Um, and I just felt like I got to know and spend time with the characters and there's a lot more nuance on it. So that was what I really loved about it on the other side of it. What did you guys not like or like about it? I love the spoilers spacing. for WandaVision. Sorry. I love the spacing, like being forced to wait a week and being, being current with it right out of the gate and then thinking about it for a while. That's, that's one of my favorite ways to engage in media. And people get kind of shitty about that and complain about it. But like, think about how much fun it was to wonder what was going to happen with Endgame. And here we are with a micro version of that eight or nine weeks in a row. I, I appreciated that. I felt the same about as you about the kind of the, the place that it started to dip. I loved the misdirection of Quicksilver. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the fight with the visions in the last episode that looked so much like the Superman video game from when I was a kid playing Nintendo games 64. in the arcade. Oh, sorry. Maybe, it it might have been the same one, but it's it's just like this weird, this bizarre weightlessness and the capes. It it got somewhere up inside my brain, and I like that that shot a lot. I like, yeah, I really like the whole series. There there was a slight dip after the the homages stopped but for me it was very slight um i really enjoyed it every episode in this last one i really enjoyed just the special effect of the way uh vision and wanda's kids were coming apart the way they were kind of de-digitizing but not quite de-digitizing and it was and they were coming apart in a different way than people did in, in the movie when thanos snapped his fingers yeah it was the same kind of thing, but totally different. It was there. Yeah, there was a, it's an issue. Is it an issue of house of M or something like that, where we see Wanda Wanda's head in the cover and she's turning into squares like that. I forget what that's from. There's been very 80 Granov did some in, in a different one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also really liked that effect. This, I, and you know, this is dumb for me like Scarlet Witch is a character I've known forever, but I like the way that this series and maybe this was built into it forever. And I'm sorry, Roman, I'm, I'm a dumbo, but uh, I liked the way that they embedded this idea of the Scarlet letter into the Scarlet Witch like this, like the failed witch or the, the tarnished witch. Mm -hmm. And that might be a thing that is, is prevalent in her mythos, but I didn't know it. And I like the way that that provided a sort of almost non comic book direct justification for that name and that character appears this sort of like tarnished damaged person and i think what they did with damage and the recovery from personal damage as is explored through that character in this is is pretty impressive yeah yeah and if that is a part of her background with comics i don't remember it maybe it was in that scarlet witch series that came out of by james robinson a couple years ago but which was an excellent series um but i don't remember it from there and i read that series but I really liked that too. And I liked Agatha Harkness being a bad guy because I don't remember if 
if she was a bad guy originally and not at least not of against the scarlet witch what do you guys think of like wanda lost vision and then she kind of loses her shit and, and brings him back in this sort of imaginary world and creates the kids and then she loses them again like that's that's a double bummer for her but it's not like do we want them to come back I would almost not want Vision to come back at this point. Well, he is back now, right? Like, is basically, he? well, isn't the white Vision was they took the, was the backup? Yeah, it was like the body parts of him. And then uh, fake Vision allowed that technology to unlock the memories. It's basically mm-hmm. like ENIAC. They taught the computer how to learn for itself and, and have the, the memories. So it essentially became Vision at that point. The kids would be kids. a different thing. And that right? was like the second post credit sequence has her kids shouting for help in her mind. So Roman... Okay, so I tried to watch it um, in a place of bad internet and I only saw one post credit scene. So cool, let's follow up Sorry, on that. Buddy. But Roman... No, I mean, I, I, I tried, I failed. Um, uh, so this is a great way to learn it. But uh, Roman, please educate us. I actually don't remember. Sam was t- asking me it, but like the Wanda's kids, at what point were they were fake and then made real or they were made real and then like what is in the comic history those two kids in the first two vision of scarlet witch series they have the kids everything seems fine um and then later on i think at west coast avengers it was revealed that they weren't real kids they were something mephisto was involved and wanda's powers were involved and they were fake kids for a while they thought they were demon children um but then it would but then it turned out i think wanda's powers created them okay and that but then they did come back at some point in a way because i think wiccan at least at some point wiccan was scarlet witch's kid but i don't know who his father was and, Did you and, see that encyclopedia with legs and a hairy chest that just told that, us all that? That sex cyclopedia. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, you know, Wiccan's been around forever. I couldn't, I was like, why, why can't I remember anything about the other brother? Like, did he die or did he just less, yeah. not not as important? But um, And all, the, the Pietro? No, 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 like Wiccan's brother. Uh, yeah, okay. who was also, yeah, who was also like it around in Young Avengers, I think, when because it wasn't Wiccan and Young Avengers, and so was for sure. Other. I would believe that. I just don't really even associate. I don't even know really that person's name. I couldn't even say it right now. So, um, but that might. I guess on the topic of complaints, it's a bummer that Mephisto never came in. I actually wasn't super into the Mephisto stuff, but everyone was like, "When is Mephisto going to be a part of this?" I'm not super hungry for that as the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. Um, oh, I guess was it Dormammu or Mephisto and? Doctor Strange doesn't matter. And then, you know, I was really hoping that this whole thing was going to be a mechanism for the X-Men to be reintroduced. And I mm-hmm. think it's a real mm-hmm. fucking bummer that it wasn't. I, I mean, I bet that they all of their pacing, Kevin Feige, all of these writers are doing a fantastic job of slowly th- letting this flower blossom to what it's going to become. And uh, and I, you know, I they're going to do the right thing at the right time with that stuff. But it just sucked. We're all ready for it. You've got the rights for it. We fucking you did the Pietro thing. I love the Mr. X that they did over and yeah. over. Like I'm a I'm a huge fan of when when kind of like the fan base for pop culture 
tries to direct something and the people who are actually in charge of telling the story pull the rug out from under him. It's like uh, like that second Star Wars movie that everybody hated. They they just kept, it was like they waited six weeks after the first one came out, looked at all the internet theories that people were so confident about, and then just said, uh, "Oh, you think this is going to happen? Nope." And I, I love that they did that two or three times in this. I I thought it was fun. Yeah, it, it was fun. My hope for that being a story element is one of the things that got me through the low part of it. Yeah. So yeah. they're portraying Wolverine as super, super short in all the Marvel comics again. I don't know if you've noticed this, but he's short again. And it makes me wonder if they've already kind of settled on a cast member, like somebody to play Wolverine in the X-Men movies. Yeah, I wonder. That's that's a a smart point. Yeah, and actually, what excites me more is that that uh, last scene, the movie movie theater that Monica goes into, it's got Tannhauser mm-hmm. Gate. So does that mean the Marvel universe is in the same universe as Blade Runner? Fingers That's crossed. Cool. That would be the, exciting. The only after credit scene I saw was when Monica Rambeau got beamed up with the scrolls, and I was like, if that's the only after credit scene in all of this, that is kind of a bummer. Yeah, that was um, just the, the first one. When they announced this docket of what the television shows are, which is WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki, like I was astounded by how little I cared about all of those. I love, I fucking love comics. Um, and the movies are just not a thing that's ever been super dialed in for me. But I was impressed by how into this ride I was. Mm-hmm. And they made me, but I was, t- like Sam and I were, we went to, we were out of town yesterday and we were hanging out in a hot tub and I was talking about it and I was like, yeah, I'm impressed that I liked it. I don't know if I'm going to like the next one, which is like Falcon and Winter Soldier. So it's probably going to be like about like Falcon becoming Captain America and working with Winter Soldier. And I was like, oh, wait, actually, I guess both of them became Captain America. Oh, I bet this series is going to be about which of the two of them replaces Captain America. And I just like yeah. had had thought so little about all of mm-hmm. these that I hadn't even thought that. I was like, oh, that's why these two are working together. Like we're trying to figure out who's going to fill in for the moniker of Catherine. I was like, okay, well, that's also cooler than I thought like a month ago. For making as much media as they have, they really haven't misfired a whole lot. Yeah. You no. know, there's there there hasn't been a lot of bad movies out of it. There have been some movies that didn't appeal to each one of us as much, but I don't think there's been like objectively terrible movies since the first Thor. Or the second Thor. The third one was pretty good, though. Third yeah, one was fantastic. Second was one was awesome. worse than the first. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited about the Falcon Winter Soldier. I mean, at least the trailer looks like it's just you know action. But I'm excited about Loki. I think that's the that only other awesome. one I'm excited about. Yeah, I can't remember what the other ones are now. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Oh, oh that's a movie, right? About, yeah, I thought we were just talking about. TV oh, is shows. it? What about yeah. the the What If? I think that's a TV show. That's that might even be like animated. That cartoon, that's an, yeah. yeah, that's an animated. Amazing week of comics. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with the Marvel Studios. What I said to Sam was that I would, I would rather they did these than more movies. I would, I would rather like this works better for my type of story consumption, which is to spend more time in the boring moments. Like they I want, yeah, and I would love that. Even in this, which is set in a small town in the middle of nowhere. They managed to tear a fucking hole in the sky. Every one of these goddamn Marvel things has a hole torn in the sky at some point. And aren't they all always hexagrams too? 
a lot of them they're are always hexagons yeah like the guardians of the galaxy ones and like yeah i liked that scarlet witch historically they're called hexes right like mm -hmm. when she does things it's a magical spell it's oh, a hex oh yeah but they geometrically created the physical space of this town as a hexagon right like and a then all of yeah and all of the things were hexagons and i just really liked that subtle tie of the shape hexagon with like a magical hex i love the vision um okay is that what it is especially clap well yeah, and it was a great series in all sorts of ways. But for one thing, I love the vision, classic vision. Actually, in the comic books, when John Byrne and West Coast Avengers, uh, the vision was disassembled after he tried, he went, he went like, he got a virus and tried to take over the world through taking over the world's computers. Um, and then he was dismantled and the government had him and they rebuilt him. And he was all white and lost his personality and soul. And that vision wasn't very interesting to me. And he stayed that way for years. So I like classic vision. I didn't realize he stayed that way for years, but that makes sense why that first appearance of white vision went way up in value midway. I love the, the way he looked like all white and only really shadows for texture. Oh, it was really cool. Yeah. And his gem, the blue thing in there, that yeah. was cool. And their discussion. I love that they had that great fight and then had that like, AI, what is reality? What am I data type conversation? That was great. I love the way of resolving that. Mm -hmm. Life is like a box of robots. And yeah, the way that they were like being de-rezzed, you know, at, at like the yeah. kids and the vision. Yeah. Um, I love the, tie, the way it tied in at the end with the Captain Marvel movie and set up maybe the next Captain Marvel movie or whatever. Because I know really, Nick, oh, go ahead. Oh, because we know Nick Fury is up on the sword station from mm -hmm. the end of the Captain Marvel movie. So that's where Monica's going now. I really hope that they leave Wanda damaged from this and don't kind of hand wave it. You know, like yeah. if she's in the next Avengers movie, I hope they're not like, oh, and here's Wanda. She's doing great after she had a hand in creating and killing her whole family over the course of a month and a half. Yeah. Well, now the Doctor Strange movie, she'll be in that and that'll be her redemption story probably or she'll get worse yeah because it does it say like you're even more powerful than the sorcerer supreme so yeah i yeah. think that she probably goes to find him yeah and the dark hold was introduced so that's the classic doctor strange has to deal with thing oh and i love her costume too yeah i thought, I thought her costume because i couldn't imagine how are they going to make this costume work in a live action movie well, and not have a keep cheesy fucking doing it buddies do you have a score for this this wandavision thing that happened to us i'd give the i'd give the journey a nine i'd give the whole thing probably an eight i think it fell apart in the last the last few i could have done with each of those last episodes even if it wasn't wanda broadcasting an homage to a tv show i would have been happy if the the people who are making the shows had a, a few more nods to like they could have made a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode with I that. Thought there was going to be a Cheers one. Like I, I think yeah. I was even told yeah. there, like there was, yeah. So I, maybe I totally, maybe in the back matter. I think that your distinction of like the journey is really important because I totally agree. My love for the nuance and like having time to spend in the mundane with a character to actually feel like you're on board with them or in the boat with them is really important to me. I get a lot less out of a two and a half hour thing than I do from a nine hour thing but i think the week between each episode really helps so i give the whole thing an eight and i think i would give the journey an 8.5 i think i'll give the whole thing a 
9.5. I did really, really enjoy it. And I'll enjoy it when the vision comes back because he, you know, he always comes back because you rebuild him. You know, hang out alone. I watch your movie. Yeah, but you'd have to walk a mile naked to meet me underneath an umbrella in the middle of the desert to be able to watch it. ENIAC number one, they do that and they ended up sitting in an umbrella underneath the sun with a bunch of solar panels like 15 feet to their right that mm-hmm. ENIAC was able to download into to find them. You walked a mile naked in the sun and decided your ending point was right next to a bunch of solar panels that ENIAC could hack into? Yeah. 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 Nice when work. I walk a mile naked in the sun, to meet you and watch your movie yeah no one's no one's around no tech is around i just expect you to read it to me out loud read me the script with voices yeah nude in the sun under the umbrella yeah that's what it's always been that's what this job has always been that's what it's always been here at the perfectly acceptable podcast and now that the sun is setting and the umbrella shade is cast in a totally alternative direction i will find myself putting my shirt on my naked exposed body taking my robe putting it one arm into the other. Oh, underpants, I don't need them. It's a bathrobe, I can tie the whole thing. I see Django and Roman both doing the same thing. This is coming to an end is what I wanna tell you. Thank oh, you for spending- Roman, I think, I think you have my robe and I have your oh, robe. Can we- yeah, Sorry, that's a robe mixed we, up right now. I, I feel like, yeah. A, yeah. Feel yeah, like a Sith Lord in this thing. Yeah, a Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for spending an extended period of time with us this time. We wanted to talk about WandaVision. Uh, it went big. It was also just like a, the most fun week of comics we've had in a really long time for me. So good. Hey, Roman. Next week, do you just want to drive the whole thing? Do you want to be totally in charge next week? How would you feel about that? Did I just put you on the spot? Is that what All next right. week's bit is? Sure. What's uh, What are our books next week? What's Area Code 217? What's after Cleveland? Um, Roman drives the boat when it's Area I'm, Code I'm going to say that's uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. You okay. are incorrect. It is in <laughs> Illinois, Springfield, Champaign-Urbana, Danville, and sense. Decatur. Also okay. Quincy. Roman, you're in charge of all of it next week. I'm just going to show up. I'll edit it, but you're in charge of driving the boat and whatever the time frames are, that's you. So everyone, I know... Next week, we're only going to talk about America Chavez number one. That was a this week. Okay. Well, I'm going to carry it over for next week, so I don't don't have to do whatever you want. That's, uh, yeah, exactly. Make Jane sure and I both have our hands up. This is a Roman <laughs> next week. It's Roman's week. So everyone look forward to that. I know you all will be looking Assistant forward to that. Editor's month. He's <laughs> he's the champ. He's why we all even still show up at the shop. So Roman's week next week. Um, you can get us an email at info at the comicsplace.com. We had some this week, but we did WandaVision instead, and we're already going to be really long. That's good. It's a little tight in the crotch anyway. James uh, Burke answered last week's question. He said, yeah, Brian Boland. All right. Hey, everybody, we're going to get out of here. Look forward to seeing you all for Romans 217 next week. It's going to be a rollicking good time. He's going to make everybody read West Coast Avengers from the 70s. Um, as always, from the I'm 80s, gonna, <laughs> gonna talk next. And the series Jen, didn't exist in the 70s. I believe that. And it's going to be a lot of comments like that next week. Um, and it'll be fun. I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. Uh, I'm Django. And I was wondering the oh. other day, like, Oh, you know how the Flash has the speed force sure. and he moves super fast. He does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, he's quick. Yeah, he's quick. Roman, like, he's quick. Okay. So then, like relative to his speed, everything else is way slowed down, right? Uh huh. Do you think it's fun for him to dance? Mm-hmm. Not at our regular human speed. No. Have to do it slow to hit those beats. 
everybody. See you next week. Ha, ha, ha.